Okay, let me have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of calling you Father. Lord, we didn't deserve to be brought into your family, but Lord, you brought us into your family. You made us citizens of your realm. You've made us complete in Christ and given us a whole new life which is safely hidden with him, waiting to be found, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be appropriated, and waiting for that day when it will be revealed, when he is revealed in all of his glory. Lord, we thank you for your word that tells us about you, that shows us what a faithful God you are, and Lord, that reveals to us the gracious provisions and uh, possessions you have given us. The wonderful things we have now and the wonderful things we look forward to. Lord, we thank you for the way you use Miles Stanford to put together a lot of these truths in this book. And Lord, we just pray for our time now as we finish looking at the issue of faith today. Lord, I pray that each one in this room might become a man or woman of faith. A man or woman who puts their confidence in you to be true to your word. So, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide this time. We ask that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our understanding to the truths you have prepared each of us to learn. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, again, if anybody needs a book, we've got some back here. Uh, they're free for the taking. Uh, if anybody goes off and forgets to bring their book and want to borrow one, that's fine, but just leave it when you leave so that uh, we're trying to get by uh, buying just one per person. Uh, but uh, again, I ordered more this week so that we would have adequate uh, supplies of them. So if anybody needs them, Yes, you're welcome to them. Rick, yes. When did uh, Miles Stanford pass on? Oh man, I'm Did trying you to. Know him? Huh? You said that you're with Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Miles Stanford? I never met him. No. I wrote him from Ireland, just about how his book was being a blessing to so many there, and he got it just shortly before he died because his wife wrote me back. And just told me that it had been a real encouragement to hear uh, that it was being used over there. He died the 21st of September of 99. Okay. So he wasn't uh, real long after my dad. I forget what year my dad died in. But, uh, um, yeah, that, he, uh, like I say, he kind of expected to go before my dad. He had congestive heart failure, but then cancer took my dad first. Uh, and things, but yeah, they communicated a lot. Uh, I think Charlie Jones wrote back and forth with him a bit, and I'm not, I, I suspect Conrad probably did too. So, um, uh, dear man, I did a lot of, you know, communicating first through snail mail, but then later through email. Uh, he did a lot of communicating. Okay, yeah. 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 Okay. 
Okay, well, last week we started in, and we started in on the chapter of faith, didn't get finished with it. I want to finish it to, uh, uh, today, but I am going to review a little. I never feel that it's a waste of time to do a little bit of review uh, to get us uh, back to where we were, and for those who weren't there uh, here last week, it might kind of help bring you up to speed. You know, uh, the chapter starts out with him, uh, you know, drawing upon Paul's exhortation in 2 Corinthians 13.5 to examine ourselves as to whether we're in the faith. And we talked about what it means to be in the faith. That being in the faith is not simply about being saved. It's about living in the realm of Faith in the bountiful provisions of God's grace. You know, are you and I, as men and women, living our lives by faith in the gracious provisions of God for us on a daily basis? And, you know, this is an important question, and it's, it's really at the very base, uh, foundation of this book, because as we move forward, we're going to be looking at so many of the things that are ours in Christ. And yet, many believers don't know them. They don't know who they are, really. They don't know what they have. And, you know, yes, they have faith that Jesus died for their sins. They have faith that they're going to heaven when they die. But on a daily basis, they have no clue of the riches of God's grace that is, uh, are there for them as they journey through this life. You know, I pointed out, when we accepted Christ as Savior, we entered into a realm where everything is by grace. There's not one thing you or I get from God by merit. We do not earn anything from Him. Grace is unmerited favor. It is God giving us what we don't deserve. We say it's a free gift. It's free to us, but it cost God. It's made possible by the work of Christ. Grace, basically, is God giving us that which Christ deserves. Giving it to us freely. But for you and I to live, really live in the realm of grace, it it requires faith. We appropriate by faith what is ours by His grace. And this is why understanding faith is so important. You know, in Hebrews 11 verse 6, we're told, Without faith it is impossible to please God. You know, if you or I want to be an individual whose life is pleasing to God, we have to become men and women of faith. We're told without faith we can't please Him. And so, 
we need to understand what faith is. And we talked about this last week because the enemy has done a really good job of confusing people on faith. Faith by the vast majority of people out there is viewed as just believing something real hard. Something that there is no proof for whatsoever. We're just going to believe it. And if we believe it hard enough, it'll happen. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith must be based on scriptural facts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. True biblical faith has something to rest upon. It has something in this Word that we fall back on. Now something I didn't think about talking, uh, saying last week is this is where, again, our, our church is dispensational, and dispensationalism becomes very important when it comes to walking by faith. Because it's important who God said something to. Did He say it to you and me as the church, or did He say it to Israel, or did He say it to some individual? God promised Abraham a chunk of real estate in the Middle East. Abraham could by faith look forward to that day. God didn't promise that to me. He didn't promise it to you. There are, this book is written for our learning, but, but, and I know some people will disagree with me on this. They have a right to be wrong. Uh, (laughs) But this book is written for our learning, but it's not all written to us. There are things in here that were to Israel. There were things to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David. We learn from seeing God's faithfulness to His promises to those people, but we have got to be careful that we don't go back and claim what God promised to somebody else and claim it as our promise. That's why you have to rightly divide the Scriptures. You know, it's like... yes. So, and I don't want to get you off your subject, but this happened to me this week. This whole idea of healing, that Jesus heals people, therefore we all get healing from Jesus. And they say, well, it's just because you don't have enough faith. Yeah, but you don't have you don't have that guarantee. Exactly. Yeah. Now, some will go to James, you know. She gave me a whole list. About the only pa- well, the only passage in the epistles that you could possibly go to that I know of is James. But you even have to look at that. It it says that you know in most translations that he who is sick call the elders and you know they'll pray over him and he'll be healed. First of all, it does not actually say sick. He says he who is weak which could be spiritual weakness, not physical weakness. 
And it does not say he will be healed, it says he will be saved. He will be rescued, delivered. And that deliverance might not be healing. That deliverance might simply be the grace that is necessary to go through that illness. See, there's a lot of assumption put into that verse that if you actually go back and look at the wording of it, it's not guaranteeing that every, you know, that if you're sick and you call the elders and they, they anoint you with oil that you're going to be healed. It doesn't say that. I know a lot of translations sound like it says that. But if you go back and look at what the words actually mean, it's very different. So, yeah, Brad. Israel. Yeah. Yeah, but people want to claim that for the U.S. That's claimed ridiculously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's claimed for the U.S. Uh, Israel is God's people. The U.S. is not God's people. Some of God's people live within the U.S. But, you know, that's where I say, and we can go off on a long rabbit trail on looking at all these different promises that are out there that are often claimed in a way that they are not meant to be claimed. Starting in Romans and going through Jude, we have God's letters to the church. Now, there are certain things in the Old Testament that it says regarding the righteous. And I think the promises made regarding the righteous apply to the righteous in every generation. The righteous across the board. Whether it was the righteous in Israel or whether it's the righteous today. And the righteous are those who are made righteous. How? By faith. But, you know, again, we need to rightly divide the biblical, uh, the Bible, the, the, the truth, to look at what God promised you, what God promised me, and what God promised somebody else. And His promises to someone else are important because as we look at Him fulfilling His promises to them, it strengthens our trust in Him to meet His promises to us. See, if you look at me as I I make a promise to somebody else, and if I live up to my promise to them... It increases your confidence that I will live up to my promise to you. But if I break my promise to someone else, you'll have no reason to trust me in fulfilling my promise to you. So, that's why I say, the Bible is, every page of it is for our learning. But not every verse in it is Him talking specifically to us. It's all there specifically for us. Now, true biblical faith must be based on scriptural facts. And Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As I put my confidence in in those facts, it 
gives substance to things I'm looking for. Things hoped for are things yet future. It gives evidence of things not seen. You know, so as we stand on this facts recorded in the Scripture, they substantiate and give evidence to the things we can't see. And some of those things are present realities we can't see. We're going to see that as we go through this book. You know, it's a reality that I'm a child of the Most High God. Can't necessarily see it. I wish you could. I hope you can. By a changed life. But there's a lot of people, uh, Christians out there, whose life doesn't look any different than the unbeliever. But it's a reality that they're a children, a child of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Uh, we have been made complete in Christ. We have a whole new life that's hidden with Him. These are realities that we'll be looking forward, uh, looking at as we move forward. We are totally accepted by God on the basis of our relationship to Christ. These are present realities that we can't see. And there are future realities. Now, we were saved when we put our faith in the scriptural fact of Christ's redemptive work on our behalf. It wasn't a big wish. We took God at His word when He said that Christ died for our sins. And our faith is not intended to stop there. We are by faith to stand. We are to by faith to walk. We are to by faith to live. And your and my daily walk is as dependent on faith as our salvation is. The just are to live by faith. Now we talked last week about things that should not guide our faith. First is our impressions. Well, I just really feel that this is what God wants to do. My impressions have nothing to do with faith. If it's not in this book, my impressions have nothing to do with faith. And then probability. <laughs> And we talked about this. A lot of people are willing to trust God on things they think are probable. And unwilling to trust Him on things that are improbable. When the children of Israel were standing on the shore of the Red Sea, what was the probability of that sea splitting? Humanly speaking, it was nil. But God split it. What was the probability of water coming from a rock? But God brought forth water. What was the probability of manna being on the ground every day for 40 years? And stopping the day they entered the land. And yet God did it. 
God's not bound by probabilities. Our faith has to be based upon certainty. Certainty about what God has said. Can I have, uh, uh, have certainty that as I live my life abiding in Christ, that God is going to meet my needs? Yes, I can. Because He has promised to do so. Hasn't promised that if I walk in the flesh and, and follow the ways of the world, that He's going to give me everything I want. He promises that as I abide in Him, his provisions will be there. And Jonelle and I can attest to the fact that God has always provided for us. He has never let us lacking. There's been times when it's been right on the edge. But God has always met our needs. See, faith must be based on certainty. It has facts to rest upon. And that's kind of where we pick up. Um, We pick up with a paragraph that starts with Alexander R. Hay. It says, Alexander R. Hay adds to this by saying, Faith must be based upon certainty. There must be a definite knowledge of God's purpose and will. Without that, there can be no true faith. This next statement, I think, significant. For faith is not a force that we exercise or a striving to believe that something shall be, thinking that if we believe hard enough, it will come to pass. That may be positive thinking, but it's certainly not biblical faith. And that's what a lot of people think faith is. If I believe really, really hard... And I pray, and if I can get 300 people praying with me, we can get God to do it. You can team up on God all you want. It ain't going to help. And see, we tend to think that somehow our faith makes God do things. No, our faith brings us into the realm of what He is doing. Now there are certain things that God withholds from us until we are willing to believe Him. There are other things that God does with or without our faith and He uses them to build our faith. You know, God's worked in my life a lot in in that way over the years. And, you know, I used to, when I I taught through Genesis, I'd always encourage the students when we went through the life of Abraham, don't get caught up in Abraham, get caught up in what God's doing. Because when Abraham was faithful to God, God was faithful to him. And everybody, that's no surprise. But what's surprising is when Abraham wasn't faithful to God and God was still faithful to him. 
And when Abraham obeyed God, God was faithful. Oh, no surprise. We, we expect that. But what about when God, when Abraham was disobedient to God and God was faithful to him? And you know, you know, people look at Abraham when he offers up Isaac and they say, wow, look at the life of Abraham. I mean, the faith of Abraham. I want to have that kind of faith. You know why Abraham had that kind of faith? Because he had so come to see the faithfulness of God that he put his total trust in God. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham knew that if he offered up Isaac, God would bring him back even if he had to raise him from the dead, even though nobody had ever been raised from the dead. And how could Abraham know that? Because God had told him that it's through Isaac that your seed are going to be numbered. For year after year after year, decade after decade after decade, God had been faithful to His Word. And therefore Abraham came to that place of faith. The question is, are we willing to get to know God the way Abraham got to know Him? You know, again, I've struggled in certain areas. Jonelle will tell you over the years, I guess, finances were one of my biggest areas of struggle. And, you know, some major need, a lot of times it was medical needs. I mean, we've had a lot of medical uh, expenses. And something would come along and I'd frat and frat and frat and frat and frat and frat and and God would meet the need. Not because of my great faith, but because of His faithfulness. And another need would come along and I'd frat and frat and frat and frat and God would meet the need. Not because of my faith, but because of His faithfulness. And this went on and on until... A time or two came along when the need arose and I thought, well, let's leave out the fret, fret, fret part and let's just wait for God to meet the need. (laughs) See, it wasn't that I suddenly cranked out faith. It was that God developed my faith by His faithfulness to me. And that's why he goes on and he says, Real faith is always increased by opposition while false confidence is damaged and discouraged by it. If our confidence is really in God, it doesn't matter what comes along. It'll stand strong. But a lot of times we've, we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're men or women of faith and then when the trials come along, the the, the truth is, is seen. Because that which is not of faith collapses. That's why uh, Peter talks about, you know, the, God refining our faith through trials. The trials burn away what's not of faith. And sometimes what remains is just a, a very little bit of faith there. And we're shown how little we really had our confidence in God. Goes on to say, There can be no steadfastness apart from immovable, immovable facts. And this is where he quotes from, from Peter. 
Peter's burden was that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, that your faith, my faith, is more precious than gold, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Faith is important. And he goes on to point out that once we begin to reckon, and the word reckon has to be to count upon, or count as true, once we begin to reckon on the facts, our Father begins to build us up in His, in the faith. And he turns to George Mueller, who was a, a man in England who had an orphanage there, a man who is known in Christian history as a man of un, um, unmeasured faith. And he, Mueller says, God delights in increasing the faith of his children. And I hope each of us in this room fall in that category, that we are his children. And he says, we ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God's hand as a means. I say, and I say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. This is something we really need to understand and take to heart. Now, last week, I, you know, I talked about why I believe faith is so important to God. And Genesis 3, I think, gives us that answer. Because sin entered this world because Adam and Eve did not believe God. They did not trust God. They did not take God at His word. And God is developing you and me into men and women who are going to spend eternity with Him. And He's using this world in which we live right now as a training ground to teach us how we can trust Him. By allowing us to go through trials... By allowing us to face obstacles that are beyond our abilities. By bringing difficulties into our life that are more than we can handle. Where we have to look to Him. And allowing us to be defeated when we try to do it ourselves. Many of the lessons of faith, I think, will be learned in this lifetime. But I am convinced, too, that many of them will be learned in eternity when we look back on this life. As I said last week, some think we won't remember our time here on earth. I think God's wasting a lot of time on us 
if we aren't going to remember this. I think we're going to see it through much clearer eyes. We're going to look back and we're going to see the hand of God as we tra- as tra- uh, traveled through this life. We're going to see the times He was there. We're going to see the things He was doing. We're going to see His faithfulness to us against this very dark backdrop. And it's going to create in us a trust that will endure for eternity. That we will never again mistrust God. Faith is important. That's why multiple times in Scripture we're told the just shall live by faith. As we saw earlier, without faith it's impossible to please God. Moving forward, he says on this same subject, James McConkie wrote, Faith is dependence upon God, and this dependence only begins when self-dependence ends. And self-dependence only comes to its end with some of us, When sorrow, suffering, affliction, broken plans and hopes bring us to that place of self-helplessness and defeat. And only then do we find that we have learned the lesson of faith. To find our tiny craft of life, a life rushing onward to a blessed victory of life and power and service undreamt of in the days of our fleshly strength and self-reliance. Faith is dependence on God. It's trusting Him. And as McConkie points out, that doesn't come until self-dependence ends. And for a lot of us, self-dependence doesn't end easily. It doesn't end painlessly. Rick, can I just say, I know y'all are sitting here looking at the same words on it, but just that beautiful thing that only then when we find that we have learned the lesson of faith do we find our tiny craft of life rushing onward to a blessed victory of life and power and service undreamt of in the days of our fleshly strength and self. I mean, that it's just so clear, isn't it? If you see this, why God allows all these things in our life. You know, we so often say, wow. My younger brother one time said to me, I, I have chronic Lyme disease, and he says, says why God do this to you? You're a missionary. And I said, honey, what? Number one, I'm just Joe. I'm not whatever. And then I said, you know, I know the Lord like I know Yeah. 
that is ours available to us. Yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, and as we turn from self-reliance to Him. Now he says, J.P. Stoney agrees by saying, it's a great thing to learn faith. (laughs) Learn faith. Faith isn't something we crank out by just making up our minds we're going to do it. It's something we learn. We learn it through the hard times. Again, the times when we couldn't do it through our self-efforts and God proved Himself faithful. Again, You see that through the pages of Scripture. I mean, look at the life of Jacob. My word. I'm surprised some some movie hasn't been brought out, you know, on the the wives of Jacob. My word. Uh, It got all the makings of an R movie. Uh, and, And yet God was faithful to Jacob. His journey to faith was much bumpier than than Abraham's, but God still brought him along. He says it's a great thing to learn faith, that is, simple dependence upon God. It will comfort you much to be assured that the Lord is teaching you dependence upon Himself. And it is very remarkable that faith is necessary in everything. There is no area of your life that God doesn't want to develop faith in. And the most difficult areas we have in growing in faith is our areas of strength. The areas we think we can handle. The things where we seem to have natural abilities. And sometimes God has got to break us. Not sometimes, pretty much all the time. He's got to break us in those areas too. And show us, look, you need to depend on me even in your areas of strength. Your strengths are weakness up next to me. He says, the just shall live by faith. And he repeats that four times in Scripture. In Habakkuk, in Romans, in Galatians, and I think Hebrews. Uh, When God repeats himself four times, it's probably important. The just shall live by faith, not only in your circumstances, but in everything. I believe the Lord allows many things to happen on purpose to make our ourselves feel our need of him the more you find him in your sorrows or wants the more you will be attracted to him and drawn away from the place where sorrows are to him in the place where he is set your affections on things above Colossians 3 2 you know I shared with my students a few times I said you know my closest friendships are not with the people I've laughed with, they're with the people I've wept with. The people who have been beside me in hard times have forged the greatest relationships. And I think that's true of our relationship with God. We want it all to be fun and games, but our depth of relationship is often developed in the difficulties we go through with Him at our side, meeting our needs. Now this next is important too. It says, actually we cannot trust anyone further than we know Him. You and I will not trust God any further than we know Him. And I'm not talking about saving knowledge. I'm talking about knowing Him. 
in a deep, personal, intimate way. Again, what brought Abraham to the place of being willing to offer up Isaac when God asked him? It was the level of knowledge he had come to have regarding God and his faithfulness. And this is why, again, I used to point out to my students, faith is really challenging at times for new believers because they don't know God very well. Hopefully as we grow in our knowledge of Him, we find it easier to trust Him. But then He always gives us bigger challenges to grow our faith. Sometimes what a new believer struggles to have faith in, we we look at it and we think, man, that's nothing. Why are you struggling? Because they're young, they don't know God very well. But if you want to become a man or woman of faith... You start with getting to know God. Make Him your focus. As you go through this book, don't be looking at how to fix your life. Look at getting to know God. And the more you come to see Him, you'll see how faithful He is. And how you can put your confidence in His statements. And that's why he goes on to point out, so we must not only learn the facts involved, but must uh, must always intimately come to know the one who presents and upholds them. So in order to become men and women of faith, we not only need to learn the facts found in this book, we need those facts to put our faith in, but we have to come to intimately know the one who, who gave us these facts. The one who upholds them. The more we come to know Him, the easier we'll find it to be trusting Him. Again, you look back through history at men and women who were known for their faith. And I'll show you men and women who knew their God. Who knew Him well. And that's why they trusted Him. And then He... Quote from John 17.3 And this is life eternal that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. And he closes with Second Peter 1.2-4 Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? The knowledge of God. You gain grace and peace as we, we know Him, as we understand Him. And to Jesus our Lord, according to His divine power, He has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We're going to see that as we move forward through this book. He has given unto us through the knowledge of Him who hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are uh, are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. We're going to see those exceeding and great promises. We're going to see how God has made it possible for us to partake of Him, of His nature. But it's all going to be by faith as we move forward, looking at the facts and then uh, desiring that as we see these facts, that we will trust God. That what he says is true and that we can bank on it.
We're out of time. Let me pray. Lord, we do thank you now that you are a faithful God. And that our faith rests on your faithfulness. The fact that you will always remain true to your word. Lord, I pray for future weeks as we move forward. Lord, and just look at the abundant provisions and possessions that are ours. The positions that we hold in your sight. Lord, may we believe you. And may our belief begin to transform our lives. Now, Lord, we pray for the hour ahead of us, the time we spend uh, again looking into your word and singing praises uh, to your name. Lord, may you be glorified in it. First, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.